Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Everybody and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there, patiently waiting for today's <laughs> digital episode, Yay! is Nikki Kinzer. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome. Uh, how are you doing, Nikki? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well. Are you excited to nerd out a little bit today? I am. I'm excited to listen to to the two of you, to you and our <laughs> guest. <laughs> well, now hold on, because I, technically, while today is a digital episode. At first glance, it may also seem pretty Mac-focused. But wait, wait, hear me out. This is about so much more than just what kind of computer you use, but how you use your computer to support your life with ADHD. And we have the perfect guest to help us navigate uh, this conversation. Before we do that, however, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show for free right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list and uh, get an email every time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD and call us. Leave us a voicemail at 503-664-4ADD and get your voice and your thoughts right here on this show. We sure love it when people call. Uh, and don't forget, five-star reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and recommendations in your favorite podcast player help others to discover this show when they need support. So pay it forward. Drop us a kind review. We sure appreciate it. Bob Dr. Mac Levitas is a well-known authority on all things Macintosh, OS X, Apple devices. He has been one of the Apple community's most trusted advisors for almost 30 years, helping regular folks confidently wade the complex waters of their gear. He has written more than 80 books, and for the past 20 years, he's written the Dr. Mac column for the Houston Chronicle and the Mac Observer for almost as long. Dr. Mack joins us today to talk about tech and tools and ADHD in light of his latest book, Working Smarter for Mac Users, which promises to show you how to use your Mac better, faster, and more elegantly, how to banish procrastination forever, how to do more work in less time so you have more time for the things you love. Bob Levitas, welcome to the ADHD podcast. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. This doesn't uh, read as much like one of your other tech books. I was blown away by your introduction. You start this book with a candid uh, picture of your life and your relationship with ADHD and impulse control. Uh, in fact, you say here, uh, after lots of therapy, both individual and group, I realized the key to becoming more productive was to retrain my brain. 
this, it, this is an amazing level of candor for a how-to book. <laughs> yeah, and somewhere else I say it's not like my other books. You'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's very different for me. Um, this is the book I've been wanting to write for, you know, a, 10 years probably. Because I, I realize that I'm not alone in this, you know. Uh, I know there's lots of people that have the same the same issues as me. And when I looked for help 20 years ago, 15 years ago, there really wasn't much to help you as a computer user. Um, there was there was lots of help, but it wasn't much help to me because I spend my day at the keyboard of a Macintosh, and so I, I needed to figure out how to how to weave that you know, into everything I had learned about being organized. You know, at, at the time, it was write things down. Now yeah. now it's just uh, store them somewhere. They don't have yeah. to be written, but they do have to get into the system. Yeah. It, what does that look like? I mean, what does that, that, that look like, your relationship with this, this sort of idea of productivity on a computer? After I figured out all the that I had ADHD and had, had learned a little about, you know, what what was recommended to you know uh, deal with it daily? I, I started to look at what I did all day, <laughs> and and it was shocking how much time I wasted not doing anything productive. And, and <laughs> shocking is the word. I'm, and I'm not kidding because I went on for years thinking I was massively productive, but it took 16 hours a day. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Delusions of productivity. Oh, absolutely. But I was busy. I was at the computer. I wasn't, you know, well, wait, I take it back. Sometimes I wasn't. If I could find a reason not to be, I would. And, and, you know, I I tell a story in the book. It's like I spent my day avoiding work (laughs) and doing just as much work as I needed to to say, okay, I'm done for the day. Uh, but it took 18 hours a day. I was often up until midnight, and, and on deadline days, it was sometimes all-nighters because I was I was good about deadlines. I didn't miss deadlines, but sometimes I didn't do my best work because I procrastinated uh, too late into the cycle to, to really do great work. Well, and that becomes the accommodation, right? You wait for the ad- adrenaline to the come adrenaline, in, right? right. Well, and sometimes I look for inspiration in all the wrong places. Like, you know, there's no inspiration on television. Trust me. <laughs> Maybe I should try going to but a I'm movie. But I'm going to try looking for it. <laughs> well, I used to do that a lot and <clears throat> say to myself, I just need to rest my brain. And, and you know what I learned? I learned that I think I do need to rest my brain, but I don't need to rest it for two hours between 30-minute stints of work. I need to rest it for maybe five or ten minutes between 25-minute stints of work. Mm-hmm. And with that formula, uh, it only takes five or six hours to do 18 hours worth of work. It was, it was amazing yeah. to find that out, you know, that, that if I skipped all of the procrastinating and looking for inspiration and not working, uh, really, I could, I could get everything that needed to be done done in a normal work day. Bob, when were you diagnosed? How old were you? I was in my, let's see, it was tw- I was in my 30s. In I 30s? was probably in my late 30s. And so what led up to the diagnosis, if you don't One of my friends handed, no, one of, it's in the book. One of my friends handed me a copy of Driven to Distraction, and he said, I read this, and you know what? I think I have this ADHD thing, but more than that, I think you have it. You should read this. It, it will change your life. And I read it, and I thought, oh, my 
gosh, like everybody I've ever talked to. I read it and I thought, oh, he wrote this just for me. That describes everything, everything that I can't explain about the way my brain works. Everything that, that you know, I thought I was just a freak. It turns out it's, it's very normal among other people with ADHD. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a, a big revelation to me. And, and after reading the book, I was sure. I, I, I knew for sure, but I did find a good doctor, and I went through the, the whatever you call it, battery of uh, uh, screening. And he came back and said, I said, so what do you think, doc? Do I have it? He said, oh, yeah, you have it. In fact, <laughs> you could be the poster child for adult ADHD. You have so many of the markers. You, you, yeah. He said, I don't think I've ever seen anyone that I've tested that had so many of them, so many, you know, uh, high, high numbers in so many of the markers. So congratulations. Said, yeah, really. Yes. I said, gee, this was great. I didn't even study for this test. <laughs> Well, what does that do to you? I mean, you know, I was, uh, I, I'm, I'm in a, a similar boat, I, you know, diagnosed as, as an adult. And, and I know talking to others who have been diagnosed as an adult, the, the experience of sort of, or your reaction to it is, it, it tends to be a pretty broad range. Uh, how, what was your, your response to that, to understanding well, all of a sudden, it this is who you me are? Out. It freaked me out, but it just explained so many things that it was a relief. It was like... Oh, wow. So that's why, you know, I couldn't, I, I really had impulse control issues in, in school. Terrible. Um, like suspended lots of times for doing things that were way out of line. And, and the thing is, I thought it was funny. And nobody ever told me, maybe I, I needed to, yeah, I guess they told me, but I didn't hear it. And, and But if somebody had said, you know what? There's, there's a way that you can um, treat this, that you, you don't have to be so fidgety in your seat and you don't have to blow your nose in your teacher's tie to get attention. Um, there's medication, there's, there's therapy, there, there are things that can be done. Well, I didn't know any of that in school and I was just this like crazy I didn't know what limits were, you know. I, I had a real hard time, and I really hated authority. Just think about what, what kind of a mess I was. I was completely against authority and would rebel against almost any authoritarian deal just for the sake of being against it, just just to be contrary. And I like to be contrary. I like to argue. I like to fight. Uh, I, you know, not fight physically, but argue and debate. Yeah. Well, it's an it's an interesting sort of response too. I mean, because it 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 often feels like you know when when we don't understand our how you know our own relationship to ADHD in the world, that's kind of a tendency, right? It's like they, people don't understand me, so I'm gonna make trouble until you know they figure me out, or at least I'm just gonna have fun and amuse myself. Yeah, as long as I'm not amusing others, I will be amused. Uh, how'd you how'd you land in in technology briefly? I mean, does it, was it a natural fit for somebody of your uh, early sort of rambunctious? It's bizarre. I I went to school to become well. I went to school to become an advertising guy. I thought advertising was a good place for me. It seemed like you know pretty loose and free form and and a lot of the creative things that I like to do, radio and television and and print advertising. I, you know, I just thought this this is the kind of thing that will keep me interested much more so than like accounting or uh, I don't know sales so 
I studied marketing and I went to work in an ad agency. And after a few years, I realized that I'm not, I don't do well with bosses. Bosses, I don't know. They just, I, it's like waving a red flag in front of a bull. You give me a boss and I all of a sudden turn nasty. Can't mm. stand them. And, and I realized really, I probably needed to look for a career where I could be more self-guided, where I, where I had less you know, day-to-day, less, fewer meetings and, and uh, discussions with so-called peers about what, you know, creatively what to do. I, I needed to be somewhere where I could just do stuff. And there was no way that was going to happen in advertising until I was like 60. You could see that, yeah, right, you know, right. it's like you don't get to be one of the deciders until you're old. And I couldn't, I wasn't going to wait. So, uh, 1985, the Mac just had come out and I said to my wife, Hey, you know what? Let me quit my job and buy one of these expensive computers and I can do stuff and make money. And I, I had no I that I, went I, over well. Yeah, right. You know, bless bless her heart. She knew that I wasn't gonna, you know, I was gonna get fired from my advertising job at some point. I was gonna, you know, do something that was so over the top it couldn't be forgiven. And then what what would we do? So she, I think, it was the lesser of the two evils. You know, it was yeah. letting me stay in a job I hated where I talked back to my boss and just I was a horrible employee. Or you could leave on a good note and get a new computer out of it. And give something else a try. And yeah. and so, you know, I was I was desperately afraid that I wasn't gonna figure out something to do that would make more money than I was making in advertising, which wasn't much. I didn't have a very high bar. And I ran around I, I did desktop publishing and I did some market research and I, I did I redid uh Chinese takeout menus. <laughs> in my neighborhood <laughs> because I had desktop publishing and darn it, I was going to figure out a way to make money from that because I knew how to do it. I knew about type and typography and typesetting. And and I thought, oh, this is great. I'll just go all around. The, and I did. I went to the, all around the neighborhood and I would get their takeout menus, go home and redo it in PageMaker and then bring back a laser printed copy and say, uh, I can provide these to you for this much per hundred. And if you have changes to be made um i can make them and it's this much money and you know, i got a bunch of them that signed up so i was i was kind of the menu guy for a while <laughs> and i did some market research and then all, i i was trying to uh sell this guy some market research that i i had done work for before at the ad agency he was at pc world magazine and he said well, I'd love to hire you to do market research, but I got a bigger problem. I just bought a new magazine. It's called Magazine. It's a Mac magazine. <laughs> Clever. And my editor quit. And if I don't find someone to edit this magazine by like Friday, I'm not going to have a March issue or whatever month it was. And, and, and uh, you know, it's going down the tubes and I'm frantic. I just don't know what to do. And I said, I could do that. I have no I had no idea if I could do that but it, <laughs> editing a Mac magazine wow that sounded great you know and it was a uh, work from Santa Monica and the production people were in Texas and the, the owner was in Texas and so you know I thought okay I could do this and and I did for a while and it was great and and the thing is I I knew then I could not I could not uh 
go back to having a day job. It just, I, yeah. I, I could see that my personality, just the way my head works, would never allow me to be comfortable there. Sure. And I would always be a threat to myself. I would always be in danger of being fired. Now, it turns out today I probably could work for somebody. I've mellowed a lot. Um, and a lot of that is I, I don't have that nagging, uh, uh, overwhelmed, you know, doom thing hanging over my head all the time. I don't feel like I've got, you know, six times more work than I can do today that needs to be done by tomorrow. Now everything feels very manageable and I'm not as intense. So maybe I could have a job today, but before I, you know, before I learned about ADHD and dealt with it, no way, no way. I, th I'm, I was just, I was a firing waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, that leads us to this, this, this next question. It, it, it's around technology overwhelm, right? And because so much of what, of what you do and have done uh, is, is to help people, uh, you know, sort of acclimate to their technology in a very sort of peaceful and approachable way. But when, you, when you're dealing with this audience like, you know, like, like me and those who live with ADHD, uh, it, it takes a different sort of approach, right? How do you help people who struggle with impulse control and fear while living with ADHD not feel completely overwhelmed by their tech? And, and honestly, that leads me to the title of your book, you know, Working Smarter for Mac Users. You know, what does it mean to work smarter, period. Well, for me, what, what it means is it, it's, you could boil it down to the mission statement, which is basically do things better, faster, and more elegantly, beat procrastination, and have more time for, you know, do, do more work in less time so you have more time for things you love. It's, it's just all of the things I, I, you know, it's not one one thing or even a handful of things. It's all of the things that it's it's having a calendar. It's having a to do list. It's having them work together. It's having a plan for each day. It's using a Pomodoro timer to make sure my butt stays in the chair when it's supposed to. Um, it, it's uh, using the hide others command so that you can only work on one th only have one thing on your screen and nothing to distract you or full screen mode if you if you prefer but all of those things it's it's all about setting up your work environment so that you can be as efficient as possible and i'll give you at least a couple of examples one is most people need to work on their typing you know you type that's how you get your stuff into your mac or any computer really um, and if you're a crummy typist, if you type 25 or 30 words a minute, um, you're really leaving a lot of, of time on the table. If you just spend a little bit of time practicing your typing, maybe a week or two, you'll double your typing speed, which means writing a, a chapter or a, a essay or a whatever it is you write will take half as long. Okay, I, in all the conversations we've had around technology, uh, no one has ever brought up typing. I cannot I, believe I have been taking Pete, that for granted. I was just going to say the same thing. Everybody does. That's the thing. Yeah. Everybody does. And, and it became obvious to me when I was doing a lot of consulting. When people say, how can I be more efficient? And I watch them pecking away with two fingers. It just made me crazy. It's like, you know, if you learn to touch type, that would yeah. probably in increase your output by, you know, 300%. 
why don't you try that? And in this book, I, I even give you a place you can go to take free lessons and, and uh, test yourself and benchmark yourself against it. And there's even games. If you don't like taking lessons, you can play typing games for free. Well, and you know, it, it makes so much sense, particularly for adults uh, who have been, um, you know, diagnosed with ADHD and and struggle with, you know, typing as an input, because there are so many of us who, who may have straddled that, uh, you know, the learn to type experience in school, right? They're, they, they don't teach typing they anymore. They didn't teach it to me. When I was in school, you couldn't, right. you couldn't take it if you were a boy. How's that? Wow. Oh. Okay. Wow. Guys couldn't now, take typing. Now, I typing. learned how to, I learned how to type, but it was... Girls couldn't take And they couldn't take woodshop wood either? No. Oh. And boys couldn't take home ec, which really ticked me off. And oh. I made a big fuss about it because I really liked the idea of learning how to cook. And I liked the idea of being in a class with a bunch of chicks cooking. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was my outlook. But, you yeah. know, in those days, you couldn't. It was just not done. We took auto shop or wood shop or metal shop, and they took home economics and typing. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's I'm, a, that, now, I'm, I'm dating myself, right? <laughs> I'm dating myself in the sense that when I learned how to type, there were boys in the class, but it was on a typewriter. There, were no, oh, there okay. was not a computer right. in sight. <laughs> I had to learn. I, I tell the story in the book. Uh, when I ordered the Mac, when I decided I was going to get it, it was going to be a while before it came, like a few weeks. And... I, I realized then that not knowing how to type was going to be a problem, and I bought a uh, a typing drill book at, at a bookstore, and you know sat it on the table and and used my wife's uh, Smith Corona electric compact college typewriter, and I taught myself to type because nobody had ever I had really never typed anything, you know. Yeah. When I worked at the ad agency, we had people for that. Typists. <laughs> well, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I would handwrite stuff because I had good handwriting. I would just write stuff out longhand and toss it in a bin, and someone would type it and bring it back to me to proofread. It's like Mad Men. So, it is. Yep. So yeah. I never had to learn how to type, and I never really thought about it until all of a sudden I'm getting a Macintosh, and it's got a typewriter keyboard, and I don't know what to do with it. I'm, I'm thinking... Oh, this is terrible. How can I do anything if I if it takes me five minutes to type, dear sir? Sure. Right. Right. Well, that is a that, that that's a fantastic like step one that I feel like we have really taken for granted as <laughs> yeah, people who type. We've never mentioned that we've before. Never, ever. That is beautiful. What what else do you recommend? All right, What's I got next? A, I got another one. Here's the yeah. thing. I type a bunch. There's a bunch of things I realized that I type every day, million times a day. For example, I have a bunch of email addresses. And they're not short. You know, they're each 40, 50, 60 characters total. Um, the URL to for my book is workingsmarterformacusers.com. I probably type that 15, 20 times every day. Uh, dear PR person, I don't do Windows. Please stop sending me stuff about Windows. <laughs> I do that about twice a day. And the thing was, I realized I was typing the same things over and over and over again, which has two problems. Number one, I'm not the best typist accuracy-wise, and typing something that's a finger twister, like something with a number in it or something with weird punctuation uh, or any of the symbols over the numbers, and I'm for sure likely to make a mistake. And number two, when it's more than about 20 or 30 characters, 
uh, I know a way to type it faster, and that is to use a, a snippet expander program. Um, the one that I use on the Mac is called Text Expander, and I'm sure there's, uh, they might even have a Windows version. You know, again, I don't have Windows, so I don't know. But it, wh what it is is you type a short abbreviation, and the program sees that and magically uh, types something longer. So, for example, uh, I would type BLC, BobLevitas.com, and when I press the space bar, it'll expand to my email address, BobLevitas at BobLevitas.com. Um, Working Smarter for Mac Users, the book, is WSM. When I press space, it expands out to the whole title of the book. The, the uh, URL, WorkingSmarterForMacUsers.com, uh, WSA, Working Smarter Address. So I remember them with mnemonic, mnemonic devices. They're all two and three letter uh, abbreviations. And oh, by the way, the one for uh, the Windows PR people is no win, N-O-W-I-N. <laughs> and I can Not remember that. Not to put too that. fine a point on it. And I can remember that. Um, so, you know, I just give them short abbreviations I can remember. I've got my address in there. I've got my phone number in there. Those are all I know. So, okay, I type uh, two characters instead of nine characters for my phone number. But when you're doing it five times a day, believe me, it adds up. Uh, you know, uh, Text Expander is is a uh, wonderful and indispensable tool. I absolutely echo that. And one of the, my favorite features of it is you can look up in the preferences at how much time how you've many, saved. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, here, give me a second, and I can tell you how many hours or hundreds of hours I've saved since I started using it. I've used it for a long time, too. It, uh, do, it, the, this, do you have it handy? Yeah, let's I'm see. I'm curious. Where does it tell me? It's, is it in help? It's on, when you open there it, it and it's in it's statistics. In Windows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, characters saved 176,521. Hours saved 7.36. Assuming I type 80 words a minute, but I don't. I type 60 words a minute. So let's see what that is. Nine hours and 80, 9.8 hours. And there's a graph here. And July 2017, I've been expanding a lot of snippets. <laughs> It's it's just awesome. It's a great program, and, and the thing is, in the in the book and uh, in the upcoming course, that's one of the things I stress is you know you got to you got to try this. Yeah. There's a free trial, uh, and there's actually a similar feature built into macOS, macOS uh, Sierra and El Capitan before it. It's in the keyboard system preference pane. And it lets you do almost the same thing, except you can only see one line of text in the in the interface, which makes it hard to do anything with carriage returns, anything that's you know multi-line. You can do it, but you can't see it when you're. It's like you have to type blind. Anyway, there yeah, is a yeah. a low rent version of it built into the Mac, and you know you could use that for things like email addresses and phone numbers, and see see how much time you start to save. And then you can, you know, be like me and have, I don't know, how many snippets do I have in my folder? Hundreds. Yeah. Literally hundreds. It's, it's indispensable. Uh, it's great. It's once, really you, great. Once, you, once you've tried it and you see how much time it saves you, every day you find something and go, hmm. 
Well, and, and I just think I'm going to stick that in there. One of the things I love so much about it is you can actually download snippet collections from other people. Yes. And, and so, you know, for example, if you type uh, certain, you, there's a, I, I downloaded an Apple trademark list, which has every product they've ever done. And when you type, you know, little, the, the little snippets, it, it automatically expands it to the way Apple types it for hundreds of products over yes. the years. It's and amazing. I have, so. I have, uh, accented words which yes. i downloaded and html and css phrases which is really good to have Huge. so yeah it's just a great program and certainly uh for people like us if you use it properly if you if you train yourself to use it and you remember to make little snippets for all of the things you type regularly pretty soon you will be saving you know 15, 20, 30 minutes a day on typing things repetitively. Okay, so your first tip was to learn to type. Your second tip was don't type as much. Uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's give us one more. One more is yeah. have a plan for every day and determine what your most important tasks are and do them first. What does that it's look the like for eat you? The, it's eat the frog. Um, what that looks like for me is I use this thing called a super plan productivity planning worksheet. I invented it myself and I give it away. <laughs> well, the thing was I tried a million things. I tried uh, pretty much all of the uh, organizers and planners that you can buy at your office supply store. I tried something I really like called self-journal, which is, you know, uh, very much an a indie effort for a, a bound a bound version of a journal for planning your day and it was pretty close but they were like 30 bucks every six months and i'm cheap so it led me to design something that works exactly the way i want it to i'm not sure it's for everybody but it's certainly a good thing to look at and get the idea and then say okay i would do that but i would instead of having this i would have this because you can do that you know it's pretty simple it's just uh it's got down the left side of the page, the hours of the day from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. And on the right side, most important tasks, goals, and random notes. And that's the whole thing. And the idea is with the hours down the left side of the page, I, I jot down what I'm going to do during any of these time periods in 25-minute chunks. So every half hour, there's something. And I try not to work on the same thing for more than two 25-minute se se sessions in a row because I find that, that I get then I get more fidgety and more likely to want to not work sure so mm -hmm. so I switch it up I try not to like work on the same thing for four hours straight if I have to work on something that much I I, I like uh, weave in other things like if I'm working on uh, a book chapter I'll stop and I'll do email maybe for 25 minutes and then I will work on a column for 25 minutes and then maybe I'll do some reading and then I'll come back and work on it again and then do something else and then do something else. And between sessions, I usually take a 10 or 15 minute, five, five to 15 minute break and do something fun like you know, like play a game or go for a walk with the dog or play my guitar or something like sure. that, but not work. You know, yeah. I can't, you don't cheat and work during your breaks. And, and if I do that, I'm good for, you know, all day long, every 25 minutes coming up with a, um, 25 minutes, then short break, 25 minutes of work. And then, you know, a couple times, three times a day, longer breaks, um, longer break in the morning, longer break in the afternoon and lunch. 
And then other than that, that's how I do it. It's it's Pomodoro. Uh, and and I have a, a axiom. The hardest part of being a writer is keeping your butt in the chair. So when I'm in a Pomodoro, I pretend that there's glue on my butt and I can't get up from <laughs> yeah. the chair. I, I'm like physically unable to get up. And and if I get interrupted, I have to start the session over from scratch. So the, and and you never want to do that. You know? I, like, I have a, a friend who's a writer and and um, has he's worked it on uh, he's worked as an editor and on a number of very very large projects and and he has the same challenge the application of butt to chair and so he actually uh, stapled an old airline seatbelt onto his on the bottom of his office chair. And that metaphor is, is remarkably appropriate. He buckles it. That's very it. funny. Somebody, yeah, somebody it, in one of my classes when I talked about this told me that she bought a belt that's bigger than her waist. Yeah. And belts herself to her office <laughs> chair when she's... So that she can keep her ass in the chair. And yeah. I said, I just, I just imagine glue... You guys really, I yeah, mean, that's, they really well, you well, know what take I, it to good. the next if, step. Yeah. You know what, though? If that's what works, right. that's great. And that's one of the things I try to get across in the book is I don't, I don't have your answer. I don't know if I do. Um, and I don't know if what's working for me is going to work for you. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. But I know a lot of things that have worked for me in the past or work for me now or other people tell me they work. And so... In the book, I tried to throw it all out there and let you let you have options. And, and I basically say it takes uh, 66 days to develop a new habit or break an old one. Let's just say. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm saying 66 because I actually did a lot of research, and that was the best answer I could come up with was, you know, they say it takes 30 days or three weeks or whatever. And the research indicates it's more like 66 days. So... Um, I, I encourage readers to find the things that work and use them, but don't give up right away. Don't don't do it for a week and then say, oh, it was okay. Do sure. it for a month or two months. Make it a habit. And, and you'll see some of these things like, you know, typing speed, um, using snippets, <clears throat> having a plan every day. Right. You'll, you'll find that, you know, after you've done it for a while, um, you'll know if it's helping and usually, I think these kinds of things do. And if you keep it up, it keeps helping. You know, it's, these are the kind of things that aren't that hard to keep uh, keep rolling with, as long as you remember to keep doing them. Sure. And it's kind of uh, out of sight, out of mind. If you don't do it for a while, you're going to forget and not do that thing. Which is why I always I, I recommend my super plan worksheets that you print it out and fill it out in pen by hand and then put it on your desk on top of everything else or in a place where you can see it through the clutter on your desk if you have clutter. I don't do clutter. My desk is, is I have one pile. It's a thick pile. <laughs> but, but I have one and pile. the daily planner is on top. And, well, the daily planner has to be on top yeah. because right. the idea is you need to be referring back to it. You need to check stuff off as you get it done. Things change during the day. You get a phone call that chews up one of the, you know, one of your 25-minute sessions, but it was your boss or your editor, so you couldn't not take the call. And then you have to rearrange things. And, you know, these are you just do these things, mm -hmm. but you don't waste a lot of time on it. I used to spend a lot of time planning because my, my to-do list ran to like 11, 12 pages, and, yeah. and it wasn't yeah. very useful. And so I would spend, you know, 
a good 15 minutes looking at the first couple pages, trying to decide what the first thing to do today would be. And then when I finished it, I'd be looking at all the pages for something easy or fun. And, and you know, I would spend a lot of time gazing at my to-do list, wishing I were working, but avoiding it by saying, well, if I, I just have to look at all the pages because there could be something more important on the next page. Sure. So I wasn't very organized about, you know, what to do. Now, with a plan for every day, it, it's, it's just awesome because some days... I book myself what I think is a a reasonable work day, you know, seven hours in the office, six hours in the office. And some days I finish an hour early and I go, you know what? I earned this. And I go, I go play (laughs) pinball or I go bowling or, you know, go to the movies. I just get out of the office and go do something. And, And I think that's why I can come in and work these 25 minute things and be disciplined about it. Because I know at the end of the at the end of the day, a I'm going to feel good because everything is done, and b the end of the day is going to come at a reasonable time. Now it's mm-hmm. not like it used to be where the end of the day came in the middle of the night. So Bob, I have a question for you because I know that there's many listeners out there that agree with what you're saying and but where they get stuck is trying to decide what those priorities are for the day any um guidance or advice on that like how do you decide what's most important well i i i take this form the super plan worksheet and i have a place for the three most important tasks of the day and the first thing i do is write down the three most important tasks before i start putting stuff in the hours what's important tomorrow you know, I have to write a series of marketing emails. I have to edit a video for a commercial. I have to write some scripts for the lessons for next week. Those are the most important tasks today. On Friday, it was write my column, um, shoot the commercial, and work on chapter 12 of High Sierra for Dummies, which is another book project I'm working on. So as long as I know what those three most important things are, I make sure that they are uh taken care of before I move on to less important work and uh, things that are more uh, elective. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I could do, but I don't have to do it today. I, I look at everything as if I'm going to finish these big projects, they're all, they're all broken down into quotas. So I know, for example, that to finish this uh, High Sierra for Dummies book by my deadline, I have to revise... Uh, 11 pages a day from here till the end of the month. And that's not a big deal for me. 11 pages a day means maybe a couple hours of work. Okay, I'm good with that, and I can still do all my other things. But that is one of my most important things most days. Today I'm ahead. So I took a day off from writing chapters in the book. But on most days, that would be one of my most important tasks because there's a deadline and a certain amount of time and a quota. And it has to be done versus something that could be done right exactly like my course i'm doing it for me and so if if there had to be slippage i could slip my course a few days the deadline of of august 1st that i that i talk about is really in my head i mean there's there's nobody nobody's placed an order yet nobody will be put out if it doesn't launch until the 10th of august but internally it, it means a lot to me to to hit my date so it's still pretty important but if something had to slip, it would be, you know, something that is, so, is, that 
is self-published rather mm-hmm. than something that I've got a contract and other people relying on me for. Mm-hmm. Well, that that actually leads me to my next question, which which may sound a little bit selfish at first because I'm I'm deeply curious about your choices here. Uh, you have have written an awful lot with a, a, a handful of publishers. Most recently, you've spent a lot of time with Wiley uh, and written a lot of books with Wiley, uh, and here you are. This book you have self-published, and I'm curious what went into your decision to self-publish the book. And in the context of ADHD, I find that terrifying uh, not to have the the sort of uh, trusted, um, let's say, scaffolding of the publishing arrangement. Uh, what have oh, you learned I hear over you. your career? Oh, and, I hear you. Yeah, to uh, make that decision. It took me a long time. I, I, I've been mulling it over for probably five years, and I only pulled the trigger last year. And and the thing was, first of all, Working Smarter for Mac Users, as I conceived it, wasn't the kind of book that publishers were interested in. My agent asked me to write it up the way I would write up a a pitch for a book, and I did. I wrote wrote the proposal, and we put it out there, and nobody wanted to publish that book. They came back and, you know, said, if you would make it more about this... We could do it, or you know, if you did an automation book, maybe. Yeah. Everybody wanted to do a different book than I had envisioned, and and that was part of it. And the other part of it is, you know, when you and I can't say enough nice things about Wiley. I mean, I've written a lot of books for him, and I still have contracts with him. And next year, I'll be writing books for him if they don't fire me. Um, And I love him for for books like Mac OS X for dummies, iPhone for dummies mass market books um and and really they're the best choice for something like that they will sell the most copies for something like this that's deeply personal um there's a big difference between getting five or ten percent and getting seventy percent or a hundred percent of the selling price and i am willing to spend a lot more effort marketing a book that i have a personal stake in I can't afford to do a lot of marketing for my dummies books, you know, and partly that's why you go with a publisher because that's what they do. But on this book, I couldn't really, first, I couldn't find a publisher that wanted to publish it. And second, if I had, they wouldn't have gone out and, I mean, contacted people and gotten on podcasts and uh, offered people sample chapters and done all the marketing and PR stuff I'm doing. Right. And, and, you know, I wanted that to happen. So, in order for it to in order for it to matter, I had to own it outright. And so I do, and it's the best thing I've ever done. I mean, I'm not. I don't think I'm making as much money yet, but I think I will in time. And I'm learning a lot about marketing. I'm also much more in touch with my readers. You know, this is like I have a direct connection to these readers. I have their email address. They're on a list. You bought my book. Um, I can send them a, an email and say, I'm, I'm working on version 2.0. What do you think should go in there? Mm. I can't do that on a dummy's book. I have no idea who's read a dummy's book. You know, right. they don't share that with me. And if you buy it at a bookstore, You'll never they don't it. share it with anybody. Right. right, right. So this way I've got a direct connection to my, to my reader and my, my uh, student if I, for the course. And I like that. I mean, I, I'm not looking to have... 10 million followers i'm looking you know for the few thousand people that this will benefit 
And I know they're out there. I mean, you know. Oh, I'm one of them, Bob. And they're finding me. And I'm finding <laughs> them. So it, I can benefit from this, believe me. <laughs> well, did you get your copy? If not, I'll drop you I'm, I'll drop you a note after the show with the link to it because awesome. you should definitely have your own copy. Absolutely you should. You got uh it, it it's fantastic. I okay, I we've this is uh, uh been a great conversation. It would not be a true digital episode if we didn't nerd out a little bit on the systems that you are using that you rely on to get your work done every day. Tell us about your gear and the, your favorite software that you're using. Okay. Um one thing I did a few years ago that was really great was I, I, I slimmed, I paired back to a single computer. So I used to have a desktop and a laptop, and the whole keeping them in sync thing was a real hassle. Um, and so I bit the bullet and bought a pretty close to a top-of-the-line spec MacBook Pro. I've got a separate monitor on my desk for it, so uh, you know I can work and grab it and run out the door and not have to worry about if I forgot a file or if I, for, if I c copied the file to the other computer or anything like that. Um, big screen monitor, second display, big thing for me. Um, I just feel much more productive when I have two displays and lots of screen real estate to lay everything out the way I want it. Um, a lot of times when I'm working, I need to look at something right in a different window and possibly, you know, have my timer somewhere where I can see it and some uh, system diagnostics that I need to keep an eye on when I'm, when I'm editing video so I don't, you know, overheat <laughs> and things <laughs> like that. Um, I, I use Apple stuff as often as I can. So I use Apple Mail. I use uh, Reminders, Apple Reminders. I use Safari and Chrome. Um, Apple Mail, and where do you do your writing? I write most. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, for books, it's been Microsoft Word because that's what they require. Sure. And for my own stuff, I've been writing in either Pages or Ulysses. I like them both. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have to write for books, one of them would become my you know go-to everything writing tool. Um. Let's see, what else? Oh, okay. Um, I built my website with Squarespace, and that's really great for people like us because I, I HTML was beyond me. You know, I'm, I, Actually, code is beyond me. I'm not a good coder. That requires a different kind of focus that I don't have. I, I just can't, you know, I can't even remember all of the things, the, the tags and things for HTML. I have to have a book on my desk. Sure. And, and so... Squarespace has been great. For like $12 a month, they they have templates. You just basically throw your own pictures and words in, and it builds a beautiful mobile-friendly website with a store, and it, you can take money from people. All for $12. <laughs> Not for 12 bucks. I mean, you don't have to like yeah. learn uh, what is it that everybody's got. Um, WordPress. You don't have to buy WordPress add-ins or consultants i mean this is i did it myself and literally anybody could do it, it it's so non-techy it's all drag and drop on screen stuff and it may my website's the it's the most beautiful website i've ever had because i'm so terrible at it and in the past <laughs> i've had to use traditional you build the website tools so this is great it just takes all of the pain out of my website for me um, what else do I use and love? Well, we talked about uh, 
text expander text high expander. on the list. Yeah. yeah, I also really like uh, Keyboard Maestro. It's ah. a macro program. It lets me pretty much reduce anything I do to a single keystroke. So I launched my programs or switch programs with it. Uh, it's got a multi-key, multi-clipboard, which is a big thing for me. I like having 100 clipboards, not just one. And so a lot of times, uh, rather than deleting stuff when I'm writing, I cut. Then it's on the clipboard. And then I can go into Keyboard Maestro's multi-clipboard multi and find it tomorrow or the next day. I go, you know, I, I cut that piece, and now I wish I had it back. <laughs> well, in the old days, I used to save multiple versions of documents, which made for a really messy hard disk. You'd end up with 13 versions of a document. Right. And you'd have to rename them. You know, you'd be responsible for naming them something meaningful and things like that. So this, being able to put stuff in these in the clipboard and have it available for the next few days is a, it's a winner once you get used to it. Oh, truly. You know, that's something we've never talked about on this show. And I think we, we really should. We've, you know, we live in sort of a command C command V, uh, kind of a universe and having the, the hundred levels deep is, is pretty powerful. Uh, it's totally powerful. Yeah. It's one of those things where there's, I don't understand why Apple doesn't just do it. I yeah. guess because having the user interface for it could be bizarre. Yeah. But the thing for me is, I hardly ever use it without looking. It's like, I, I, I don't want what I cut yes, uh, two minutes ago. I want what I cut yesterday or mm -hmm. the day before. And I, that means, you know, opening something and paging through a bunch of pages. And, you know, that's not something you can do without looking from, from the keyboard. But I don't understand why Apple, you know, is single clipboard. It just seems archaic. Arcane, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I've well, always had multiple clipboards with something. And Keyboard Maestro, you know, it's like I'm using it for other stuff anyway, so I might as well use it. I also have one called Copy Clip 2 that was uh, 5 bucks for people who don't want a full-blown macro program. Sure, sure. That works great. So those are the kinds of things I, I use a lot. I also have been, as a, as a solopreneur, I've been using, you know, uh, mailing list program you know mailing list software as a service and uh all sorts of all sorts of stuff well you got the high level ones and and this is the the thing that's that's most interesting to me is just the level of the of the sort of complexity of the tools or i should say the simplicity of the tools that you count on to actually do the work of your day that you you know using uh apple mail and apple reminders to to help keep you on task and well and it's funny efficient I, I had a period where i tried all of the getting things done programs you know getting things Hallelujah. done. yeah getting things done is a very famous productivity program by David Allen. I read the book. I I bought a lot of stuff uh, over the years trying to implement GTD in my life, and I ultimately realized I was spending way too much time on GTD that should have been spent getting things done. You right, know? right. <laughs> I was spending a lot of time organizing and tagging and making sure things were categorized right, and and then going through and doing my review, and it's like hey, you know what? There's a lot that's good about this, but the rest of it's not for me. Right, right. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't, that doesn't work for me. Simple is way better. And that's why reminders, it, it turns out, is fine, you know? Yeah. It's it has multiple lists if you need them. Um, it's got alerts. It's got location-based alerts. Those are awesome. So I can say to my iPhone or my Mac, I can say... Uh, 
Remind me to get a, uh, a 12-inch needle nose pliers when I'm near uh, Home Depot. Or remind me to get milk when I'm near HEB Grocery. And because those things are in my phone book, it knows where they are. And basically when I drive near them, it'll ding me on my phone and say, hey, buy milk or buy a 12-inch needle nose pliers. That is living in the future right there. Those that, kinds of things, they're amazing. That is totally cool for people yeah. like us because yeah. I forget stuff if I don't get it in the system somehow. Mm -hmm. And having Siri to put it in the system and having location awareness... To, to get it to, out of the system. Well, to pull it out of the system at the right time. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just awesome to me because otherwise I would put it in reminders and it would sit in there until the next time I opened the reminders app and looked. This way, if I'm over near whatever it is, boom, it tells me, you know, you need to stop there, which is yeah. delightful. And, and the truth is, none of the other programs, using Apple's programs lets you use Siri to access some of their features, if not all of them. And a lot of the third-party programs, like there's a lot of getting things done apps that supposedly, you know, help you implement the getting things done system on your Mac. And like I said, I spent more time with getting things done than actually getting things done. So, sure. So sure. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I tried them all, and I came back to, you know what? I really just need something that can do simple reminders. And as far as organizing the stuff, I use reminders for the long range. You know, like everything is in reminders or calendar somewhere. But I don't go down to the granular daily level on either of them. The mm -hmm. daily level is on my written sheets. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, things that are important from there, like uh, if I have something that's been on there for a couple of days, I'll put it into reminders because obviously I'm not doing it right now. <laughs> if it's something that needs to be done, I will put it in my do sooner rather than later. And then when I have time, I open that up and go through those things, which are all things that, you know, aren't really critical, but I'd like to do. It's just I don't want to even think about it when I've got big projects on my desk, like, you know, finishing this course or finishing this book on time. When that stuff's done, when I don't have like so much deadline pressure, I'll open it up and pull out a bunch of that stuff and move it to the super plan worksheet where it'll get done. But for now, it's it's in the uh, don't forget this folder. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, someday. Someday. These are uh, this is just a, a a wonderful set of tools, and I hope you will uh, you'll shoot us the link to the super plan worksheet. We'll put that in the show notes for folks who are interested to see how you do that. Please do, and also, if you go to workingsmarterformacusers.com slash free, you can download Superplan and uh, a couple other goodies. Oh, outstanding. We'll put Please that, do in, that directly and, uh, in the show notes. Uh, and I sent, you the, I sent you the link so that people can read that introduction that you read. You did? So you can you're, feel free to put that in the show notes, and, and they can read the prelude and look at the table of contents. and. Uh, well, and I will say I've been looking at the uh, at the at the book on my uh, iPad, and it is just it, again, it's the 
it, it's such a rarity to read a technical book or a book that is not not technical but f- about technology uh, that comes at it from a perspective of uh, for someone with by somebody living with ADHD and you can feel it throughout the whole book uh, I just uh, love the perspective and and deep thanks um, Bob Levitas for joining us on the show today thank well, you so thank much. you so much for having me and you know letting me talk about this to a, a different audience than I'm used to I mean I'm used to talking about my stuff to Mac users at Mac clubs and Mac conventions but this is I think the first time I've ever like you know uh, I didn't know there were user groups for ADHD but you know this this is like the first time I've ever done an ADHD user group and and it was cool no I'm I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep uh, contacting other you know other communities of ADHD people because I really, I, I didn't really write it thinking it's a book for people with ADHD. It's a book for anybody that doesn't think they get enough done. Yeah. But right. it really does have your. You yeah, remind hey, me you, that you know it has who a unique we perspective. Don't get enough done? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we're there. Uh, this has been fantastic. Working Smarter for Mac users. All the links in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much on behalf of Nikki Kinzer. Thank and, you, Bob. Yes. Bob. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Bob, Dr. McLevitis, we will catch you uh, next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs>